0: Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. I am your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, and I am so honored that you have taken the time to spend an hour with us. As many of you know, if you've been listening, we have been digging in and having conversations around how do we navigate through this crazy time of COVID and quarantine, virtual learning, digital understanding, how do we continue to grow our careers and our skill set? My passion is helping others to find their way in tech. I've spent the better part of my career helping K-12 entities integrate computer science into their classrooms, and not just in a career and technical education classroom, but across curriculums. If you know a district that would be interested in thinking outside the box and integrating computer science into their curriculum let me know. You can find out more information at the the.consulting.co to see more about the work that I'm doing. In addition to that, at the core of who I am, my passion is to help other girls find their way in tech. And let me say this, finding your way in tech doesn't mean you have to sit behind a computer and work on a computer all day long. Being in tech means you can have lots of different roles. And in our nonprofit, the Dottie Rose Foundation, we help girls elevate themselves and their skill set and find their own place in computer science. You can find out more about that work at dottyrosefoundation.org. All of these pieces come together because my heart and passion is to help and You know, and help others and help myself as I continue to navigate with what we call tech. The reason why I'm talking so in depth about this today is that I have the honor of having one of my friends on who is works in tech but mm, does it under the disguise of construction. And I'm going to tell you why. When she starts talking, you're going to see she has been using technology and innovation and is now leveraging technology to build her own brand and career to help more women follow in her footsteps in in the construction industry. So today, we welcome the amazing Erica Stork to our radio show, who is joining us from the wonderful state of Arizona. And we are going to dig in and talk a little bit about her career, how she is helping to move the needle by bringing more women into construction, our friendship and partnership that started uh, with a connection through an amazing network called the No Woman, and how we are growing as women in our careers and in, in fields of using technology. So Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Sharon. I'm so excited
2: to be here. So tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. So uh, like Sharon mentioned, my name is Erica Stork, and I have been in construction for just over 22 years now, and it's really been a passion of mine since I was a, a little girl. I would sit in my room and design houses and sketch out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to live and, you know, went to school to study architecture and quickly realized that I was more of the hands-on person. I wanted to see the earth moving. I wanted to see foundations going in. And so I pivoted over and um, went into the construction side of architecture and design. And so it's just been a passion of mine. I love everything about it. And it's been a, a great career for me. So, I've just traveled through it in different aspects over the last 20 years. You know, we talk a lot about
1: this on the show in terms of how it's it's like a, a scenic route as we go through our career. And you mentioned that as a, a a little girl, you like to design rooms and have ideas. And then when you got to college, you realized that that really wasn't where you want it to be. What made you sort of? I, I mean. Granted, I know taking classes and you kind of began to realize this is not what you wanted. So what did you end up majoring in in taking that turn?
2: I actually majored in business. So I went back and just got a business degree and I was working for a general contractor. And so just started to see that side of it. And it was really like the turning point for me was, was my uncle who owned a steel company in Seattle. And he was really the first person who sat down with me and he showed me how to read a set of, in those days, blueprints. Right. And kind of, we just sat there for an afternoon and he showed me how you could read them. And it was like, almost like a story to me, the way he described it. It was to this day, such a memory for me. And that's when I really realized like, It's so great to see design happen on paper, but now let's take it and put it into the real world and build it. And so that was really the the moment for me that I realized I like architecture and I can appreciate it, but I want to go build it. So that's when I made the switch over to the construction side. I like that. And when you
1: were working for your, the general contractor, did you have opportunities to begin to see different parts of the business? Because general contracting is a fairly, I mean, I feel like it's very big and generic. So what all goes in into that general contracting concept or, or business?
2: There's there's a lot. So I started out with a very small general contractor and that was a great entry for me because I was able to go out and work in the field and be in the job trailer and work with the subcontractors and the owners. And then where I spent the majority of my career was with a large general contractor here in Tempe, Arizona, where I spent it all in pre-construction where I was doing the estimating and figuring out how much the projects would cost. And what was fun about that is I specialized in kind of the conceptual design build projects. So I got to work with the architects and I got to sit side by side with them and the engineers and really figure out how do we make this building work? How do we make it pencil with the budget? And it was really a collaborative project process. So I got to spend the majority of my career doing that. So it it really, like, satisfied both my, you know, inner architect that I had, but also the builder in me, because I got to, to also then take it from a sketch on a napkin all the way to, you know, a building being built. So there's a lot of different opportunities within a general contractor, but it does feel like there is so many, it's just so broad and you, which Avenue do you go? But there's, there's multiple. So do what does a general contractor do? What is the role of that business? So a general contractor is, um, so hired by the owner typically. And what they do is they, they go and they contract with all the subcontractors and they're kind of like the, the ringleader, right? they, figure out the schedule. They coordinate the, the team to make sure, okay, concrete goes in, here's your schedule. Then we're going to go in and do the structural steel. So they're, they're kind of the conductor of the orchestra. So they just make sure everything happens on time and on schedule and on budget.
1: That makes sense. And when, the reason why I was asking that is because if we think about that overarching concept of general contractor, right? And then within that, the different roles that pop up for women for men to have a career what are a few of those roles that you can identify within
2: that general contracting business oh so there's you know project engineers where you're out in the fields working with the project managers you can be a project manager which is someone who kind of oversees the entire project so they're like the conductor of that little project and then there's superintendents that are out there they're working hand in hand with subcontractors. there's estimators or pre-construction which is what I spent a lot of my career in which you're working with owners and architects and engineers kind of on the front end right before it goes out to construction. And then within the general contracting, you know umbrella there's purchasing procurement logistics, safety, you know, contracts and risk and insurance. So it's like its own little, there's just so many opportunities for different types of roles. And now with, you know, construction evolving, you're seeing a lot more of construction companies bringing in um, data analysts because they're understanding that they have so much data that they can start to mine that we have not looked at in the past. So you're seeing a lot of data analytics, research scientists looking at different materials. So there's there's an evolution happening right now where you're seeing non traditional construction jobs come into the construction world.
1: Yeah, I like that you're saying that because sometimes we get a, an image of like Bob the Builder when right. you think about construction, and oh man, they're just, but there's not a lot of thought on all the pieces that happen on the back end that have mm-hmm. to make Bob the Builder
2: move right. and do. Yes, there is a whole team behind him that or her that is, you know, getting everything put together. And so it's really exciting to see that we're starting to understand that we have a lot of information and a lot of data and we can use that to our advantage as companies and contractors. And so seeing these new non-traditional roles come in is really opening up the industry to people who would never thought they'd want to be in construction.
1: Yeah, so I want to back it up just a little bit because we, we sort of jumped into the whole role of construction, which we're going to talk more about. But tell me a little bit about your own personal journey, because what I find so exciting about your role and where you've been is, I mean, your story and your background drives you to where you are. So
2: tell me a bit, what was your first job? I was a hostess at a small local Italian restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, my favorite kind of food. Pasta is my
1: favorite, like (laughs) 100%. So what did you learn from being a hostess? I equally was a hostess too at a seafood restaurant and ate a lot of shrimp and grits.
2: (laughs) I love it. Um, what, What I learned from that job was really just how important it is to listen to people and what their needs are. I mean that was it, and as a teenager, it was tough at times. And looking back, I, it really taught me some skills of listening to what people are asking without getting frustrated, right? So um, mm-hmm. customer service. I know because you ever think about this is one
1: thing I realized as a hostess, like you were the middle person between yeah. the customer and the wait staff and really the chefs too. I mean, but I do remember like if you didn't seat somebody in the right section or if you gave, you know, had to do on the rotation of every time, you know, someone came in, you had to rotate which sections section so that the wait staff would have equal opportunity. And I remember that was like a giant jigsaw puzzle.
2: Yes. Yes. And then if it got really busy, it was like, oh my gosh, now where am I going to put it? And then people were frustrated. So yes, it was, it was a very good learning experience for me to kind of, jumpstart my career of, you know, orchestrating people, I guess. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, if you think about it, you mentioned, I mean, you did a lot of conceptual design and you still do, you Mm -hmm. know, and and being able to communicate between the architect and the designer and the builder and the owner. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of peeps.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. Lots of listening. (laughs) Lots of listening. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I like that. That's something we I've thought a lot about over the past even just over the past couple of months, like being in the COVID situation of stepping back and listening and trying to gain insight from what you're hearing versus just always jumping to the first conclusion.
2: Exactly. Yep.
1: So from that first job, you, that was in high school and then you went on to college. What did you, and then was moving into
2: the general contractor, was that your first job out of college? Yes, I actually took that job while I was in college. So, worked while I was in college for a general contractor and just never stopped working for a general contractor. So, worked through that, graduated, and then um, ended up going back and getting my master's degree in organizational leadership because I felt like I wanted another, you know, skill set to add to, to my toolbox. And so, I did that. And then, About six years ago, I left traditional construction and went to a a Silicon Valley startup um, that was in construction tech. And so that was kind of the latest thing that took my journey out of traditional and really started to open my eyes to the evolution of what our industry is doing as being in that startup world and Mm -hmm. understanding how we can start to Make our industry better. So I've been doing. I was doing that for the last six years. It's just kind of startups and new companies.
1: Yeah, and there's it. something like magical about being able to build something from the bottom up. Yes, and that feeling of accomplishment. You know, failing forward, redesigning. You know, all the little pieces that go into play when you're working for a traditional startup company.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's really an experience to, you know, you, I took for granted li- working for an established company, all of the things that have already been done, right? From HR, mm-hmm. all of the policies, procedures, you know, how do you go and do this to a startup where there's three of you and you're looking at each other going, okay, so I got to go buy my own computer? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> like, that's, wow, all right. So, But it was, it was a good experience for me and I'm really thankful for it because what it's done is at this point phase in my career, it's really made me start to evaluate where I want to go and what I want to do. And it's exciting. So I like the whole startup vibe.
1: Yeah, I, I completely um, can relate to the piece about coming from traditional, I mean, as an educator, I've been in the school system for the better part of my career. And then when I launched my own businesses, oh my goodness, it was, I had to step back and think, all right, well, how do we set up HR and do I buy them computers or do they buy their own computers or what are my processes for them? Check, you know, a whole different mindset, a little bit of going back to those hostess skills of figuring out how to put all the pieces together to make it work and um, create something that, that thrives and that there's so much wealth of knowledge that comes from having to wear all of those hats. But I also like that you said that it gave you a lot of excitement. So is there something that, Makes you feel inspired or your best self as you're thinking about where you are now, and this doesn't have to be work related. I mean, is there something that gets you excited of every day, or is is helping to guide that inner piece of you as you begin? Can well, because we're going to talk a little about what's next coming up on your journey but as you begin to start that.
2: You know, what really excites me, and it, it's a lot. It's very similar to what your passion is. Is just. You know, my passion is working with women and girls and showing them that they can be whatever they want to be when they grow up and showing women that there are good careers for them in industries that they wouldn't think that originally they would want to go into. And so my passion is really, you know, meeting with women, volunteering with women, teaching them skills to to kind of expand their mindset of where they can be. And so that's really what gets me up in the morning is networking with these women and girls and saying, hey, what do you want to do? Let's go do it and I can help you the best I can with my skill set, so. Absolutely, and it's in that same tone, what has been one of the best
1: tech skills or, and maybe it's not tech, but could you think about a couple of skills that you have really worked on and have used in your career over the past, you know, decade or so that you have found have been really influential in moving your career forward?
2: Oh, for me, it's really been, you know, it's funny when I think about how tech has evolved in my career. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing because it was really basic when I started, but for me, it's understanding the data that I have and leveraging the tools to make my job easier and that has really, as I've gotten better at doing that and understanding what's out there for me to leverage and whether it's a software that I can data mine or whether it's, you know, sitting there understanding what I have in front of me, that has really helped me grow my career as far as taking it to the next level. I can't, I, I can't think of like a specific software or a specific thing, I just, when I, Think about it. It is just the use of the data, especially from pricing and design and understanding what our industry is made of. It's just the data.
1: Yeah, well, data is a big part of everything, and I've talked a lot about that. You know, you know, my heart goes pitter patter when we start talking about data because that's my uh, love and where I found my niche in terms of tech of being able to take numbers and analyze them to come up with new information or information that solves a problem or answers a question. So if I think about it at the core, Excel, I feel like every person should sit down and take a basic course in Excel. Absolutely. Because 95% of our businesses use Excel to run numbers, or to collect data, or to store data, or to organize information. So, would you say Excel has been a big part of your
2: world? Oh, absolutely. I would say Excel is probably the one software that I use the most throughout my entire career. It's right. been Excel. We use Excel for everything. Correct. And now, there are so many things that you can tag onto and make Excel even more powerful. It's crazy. So, um, Yes, Excel definitely I think everyone agrees should should go and take a basic Excel class. It's basic.
1: I mean gosh, you could hop on YouTube and yep. and take a look. Or uh, um you can actually go to my YouTube site um and, and check it out. But using Excel is at at the core the entry level into understanding more about data because you mentioned this a little bit uh, several times about how you use numbers to help drive decisions. And so if we can even go back to the analogy of the hostess, you know, we were analyzing data as hostesses when we were in high school, figuring out, reading people, reading that, you know, actually analyzing the the qualitative data of looking at people and figuring out, oh boy, they're starting to get a little bit of steam coming out of their head because they've been waiting too long. Or analyzing our wait staff or our cooks that are getting overwhelmed. Then down to the numbers when we looked at our actual diagram of where people are sitting, how many people, where should they sit, how many people have come through the restaurant, you know what's going to be the tips for at the end of the night all of those pieces are all of what has led you really to in, in my mind be able to manage lots of floating pieces of data in your head absolutely yes i um i get so tickled i i can think back to like me going and stealing let's oh, not word that use that word stealing when i would borrow or take a scoop of the shrimp and grits from the thing because i'd be starving and um <laughs> I was always in awe about how the cook staff even managed time, numbers, right. um, and all the data that came into the kitchen at one given point and how they had to compartmentalize and organize and use, which is exactly what Excel does. It's just on a physical piece of software. Right. Exactly. What about something like CAD or um, AutoCAD? Have you used yeah. that on a regular basis? And can you tell our listeners what is that?
2: So AutoCAD is the software that draws the, the plans for the building. So throughout, in the old blueprints, right, like that was the software you started to, to, um, to draw on, and it was all 2D. So that has evolved to what we call building information modeling. So there's a software called Revit, that now takes that 2D drawing and in the computer makes it a 3D drawing so that the architects can start to visualize their building and, you know, see it in three dimensions. And that just explodes, right, because there's so many things you can do with that now. So there's, um, you call it, you know, a, a 5D to 7D model where now we're starting to put in not only just the parts and pieces, but you're putting in cost, you're putting in materials. So so we're starting to build this. So this model that you're doing on the computer is really the living document for your project. And I don't use it every day because I'm not a, a drafter or I don't, you know, I'm not an architect, but the way I use it is I use a plugin called Assemble where I will pull the the. 3D model and in assemble I can kind of explode it and look at like I can take the building and explode it and look at this wall and look at that wall and I can click on it and see all the parts and pieces. I can see how much it's it's going to cost if they've put the cost into the model. So I can use that now instead of doing manual quantity takeoffs, I use the model to do the quantity takeoffs. And so it makes it much faster, a lot more accurate. But it's, it's a great way for what the subcontractors do is they all take their models and we merge them together and do what's called a clash detection. And so where historically you wouldn't see it until you were out in the fields where you had a column and a pipe going through it until you, the, the plumber came to put the pipe in and there was a column mm-hmm. there. Now we see it on software before we even go out to the field. And so it, it shows wow. up as a clash. So we can fix all those things And then what it helps us do is once it's all fixed and clean, we can start to look at what can we fabricate off site in a factory because construction has a serious labor shortage right now. And so as much of the parts and pieces that we can take out and componentize in a factory is what is going to help us drive the project. And so we're able to break that down in the model And so at the startup I worked at previously, we would part and piece, we would prefab the entire building off-site and bring it in as parts and pieces. And then I worked for a company that prefabs exterior wall panels. So it's all done in a factory. And then it just goes out and is assembled on-site like Legos. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. You know, I feel like so many things go back to the Lego
1: Lego has just been a, a staple in our culture for a long time.
2: It really has. It really has. And everyone can relate to it because I think everyone played with Legos at some point in their life. Some point. Some point.
1: And Lincoln Logs. We had a lot of Lincoln yeah. Logs at our household. We would do a combination of Lego and Lincoln Logs together. Absolutely. But uh, there, that is really interesting. And what the other piece that I think is really cool about that is, you know, a lot of that is predictive analytics of thinking through, now you've got this piece of software that can help you give a more detailed and in-depth look at what you're um, building. And the piece that I think is so cool where technology solved a problem was, like you said, up, uh, in previous or historically, you would walk out to the job site and there would be a pole where there needed to be a, um, a pipe. Well, that costs money to fix. And now you've eliminated that by using that 3D, 5D, 3, 4, 5D technology to solve that problem. Yes. And you have learned to adapt to that over time. I think that's really important. A lot of what I keep hearing is problem solving and adaptability and being able to adapt Mm
2: -hmm. as
1: the technology continues to change.
2: Absolutely. Yes, because it's it's changing at a rapid pace in our industry because it's really you know, the last untapped industry to be changed is really construction. And so there, there's there been a big push to bring tech into it.
1: Well, I want to talk a little bit more about this great adventure that you have launched uh, coming up in our next uh, segment because it's an amazing opportunity that's going to allow you as an individual to maybe take a stab in the construction industry and use your mathematical skill set for a new role and see how even you uh, um, as a mom or as a a female or a male, whoever were you ready to make a career change, Erica's got a great opportunity for you. So stay tuned. When we come back, Erica is going to talk a little bit to us about her new adventure called The Build School. We'll be right back.
0: From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, The Dot Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The Dot Consulting, a new level of tech savvy. Visit the dot consulting dot co the world needs more women with tech skills at the dotty rose foundation we encourage support and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. We invite you to connect with the show today by calling in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to sharon at the.consulting.co. Now, back to Coding the Future. Welcome
1: back, everybody, to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. I am your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, and we have joining us again for the second part of our show, Miss Erica Stork, who has been talking to us a bit about her journey and career in construction and how technology has been a key ingredient in helping her change and develop and find her own path. We all know that we can start in one place, and um, I heard this the other day about the scenic route of our careers and how things change, and we change, and we learn, and we grow, and mature. And that's exactly what Erica has been chatting about over her career in construction, and how you know it—it it went from being in a corporate she went from being in a corporate environment into a startup, and that's really where she's begun to find her excitement and what gives her um, that little flair in the morning in addition to serving and helping women find their own roles in tech. And so with all of that excitement, she has now began a new journey in developing her own business and opportunity. So Erica, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit more about the Build School because I will just do a side note really quickly. Erica and I met about two years ago uh, through the No Woman. And immediately when we met, I knew we were going to be friends just because of her uh, magnetic personality. But also, we had so much in common and wanting to help and serve others. And she is an expert in estimation uh, and construction, or estimating, I guess is probably the better way to put it. And when she started talking about this idea that she had, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes! This is amazing because it's an amazing opportunity for for women." And then she's built she's built on from that, so she can tell you a little bit how it started, where it's developed, and where it's going. So, Erica, back to you about the Build School.
2: Awesome. Okay, so yeah, like you mentioned a couple years ago, I've had this idea for a while and just haven't, you know, taken the leap to do it. So. Working for the startup really taught me that if you're going to work really hard, you might as well work really hard for yourself. And so that's really been the push to just go and and start to develop these courses. So what the Build School is, is I'm putting together courses to help primarily women right now learn how to, I'm starting in the residential space, learn how to manage, budget, schedule, um, home renovations, or if they're building a new home or anything they want to do around their home. And part of this is, it it came to me years ago because I get a lot of questions from people, friends who come to me and say, I don't know how to do this. How should I do this? You know, who do I call? And then in my corporate career, I've grown and mentored a lot of young men and women into estimating. And so I've kind of, it's really a passion of mine is just teaching people how to do my craft, right? And and so I thought, I'm going to start these courses. And so I can empower women, give them the opportunity to see all the different ways they can have a career within construction. So it's starting out on the residential side, and I've got big plans and partnerships with other brilliant women to take it to. Here's how to do commercial construction estimating, if you want to focus on historic preservation of homes, all these different avenues of things that you can do. So... Where it's it's in its infancy, but I'm so excited to get it launched. We're gonna be launching here in the next few months. So that is awesome. I just got goosebumps
1: because you just mentioned even like two things that I'm interested in, you know, in terms of even I you know, pretend that I am an interior designer or something because I people giggle at me all the time because I'm always changing a lamp or Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of lamps. My husband in particular is like, Oh my gosh, another lamp. I mean, really? (laughs) But I feel like it just freshens the space, right? right? And I also change out rugs like it's my job, right? Mm-hmm. I love an, I love a rug, and I'm always changing that piece out. But what there's a couple of things that on this piece that there's a two level, right? You as a tinker in liking mm-hmm. having to do with home improvement and development,
2: can right. go through the course, yes, and learn some skills as of how to work at your own house, right? Exactly. Because I think we all, you know, and I'm guilty of this too, where I'm going to watch a segment on HGTV and Mm -hmm. I'm going to go, wow, you did that in a weekend. You totally just redid your whole kitchen in a weekend. And it was, it looked like you had a blast with your husband and everything worked out great. And then reality, (laughs) so there's like expectations versus reality, right? And so I just want to give people the, here's, here's what could happen and you need to be ready for that. And it's okay cause your house is very imperfect. It's never going to be perfect. <laughs> so just go in knowing that, right? Walls are not going to be plumb. There's gonna be all sorts of things that happen. And a lot of times you don't know what the sins of the previous owners have done. And so then you find that and you're like, oh my gosh. So that's a whole another budget I didn't think of. So I'm try- I, these courses are developed to help people see here's all what could happen. Here's what you need. Here's how you handle it. All those type of things. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty. We're all guilty
1: of it now. You know, I mean, HGTV, oh, yeah. DIY network, all of them get you so excited. Like, Ooh, that's so pretty. Right. And people, I would, I'm curious, this is a, this is a random tangent, but do you get people saying that you know this should you know there's a six-week timeline because hgtv said it would take six weeks to do it and then in real life it really takes 12 i don't know do you yeah. get
2: those oh yeah <laughs> those questions <laughs> and then a lot of people just never get it done right like you get it and i think mm-hmm. homeowners you just you get it to that 90 percent, and you're like yes. oh i'm so burnt out i'm not going to finish the last 10 percent, and it's i'm okay with that but Yeah, it's how you plan it. And so, yeah, it's just leveling the expectations with yourself that it it is going to take because you're going to get tired. If you're doing it all yourself, you're going to get tired. I mean, it's just and you've got if you've got kids and family and responsibilities, a day job on HDTV. That's all they're doing so yeah it's done really fast (laughs)
1: and it's done in 30 minutes oh my gosh right Yeah, Uh, you have to remind yourself of that I was you were just talking about getting something done for 90% so we had our house remodeled a couple years ago we live in a we actually still live in our starter house Um, and but we and we didn't want to leave because it's a great location and we love where we are so we ended up doing a renovation and did the kitchen at the same time and when they did my kitchen they put in the backsplash with a subway Uh, backsplash, which I love. I still love, but they didn't go all the way to the ceiling. And I guess maybe I didn't know at the time that I wanted it to be there. So that's one of those 90% things that I keep saying we're going to finish. And then it still, I mean, it doesn't look bad. It just would look better if it was all the way up to the top. And then there, um, the other one is right above the sink. Our window brings in a lot of light in the afternoon. So it would be really lovely if we put a blind up there, but have I done that? No. No, no, that, that, It's kind of like buying underwear, you know, like you keep looking at it, but you don't do it. It's like, you know, Uh, buying new underwear, I always think, oh, I need to do that. And then I don't do it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I completely understand the 90% piece of completion.
2: Yes. And, and I think it's really important, you know, so when I went through my first, I got divorced and I had an older home and I did all the renovations myself and it was, it was exhausting, but it was really rewarding at the same time. And there were things even as, you know, being in construction that I didn't know how to do. And it was really frustrating. And so Mm -hmm. I think about all my friends who come to me and they, they aren't from construction. They're like, I have no idea. Like, what is this tool and what do I do with it? And so I just, I think every woman should have at least the skill set to know how to, how to go and do minimal things around their house if they need to, because sometimes you're going to have to do it yourself. If Something happens and no one's home to help you. You just got to go do it and Mm -hmm. um, not be scared of it, right? And so that's really kind of the the premise behind what I'm setting up and then just taking that and mentoring, you know, women to want to go into construction because it is a really good career for women and there's more and more of us coming into the industry, which is great and I want to see it continue to grow because... With a labor shortage, you can't ignore 50% of the population, so we need to get more of them to come in. So. Ooh, I like that. That's exactly
1: true. That's exactly true. Yep. Tell me um, a bit about estimating. This is something that I think is so intriguing, and the reason why I want to mention it is because there, it's highly mathematical, mm-hmm. but it has a lot of problem solving. Yes. There is the concept of even scientific concepts that are thrown in there at, you know, figuring out what materials and how these materials are going to interact with one another. And then there's even a social studies component of geographically and historically, like you mentioned about historical homes, right? We need to understand that era when that was happening, what materials were being used then compared to now. I mean, even in my own renovation, our, my house was built in the 50s. And so we had lead paint. Mm -hmm. So we had to take different steps in order to, uh, we had some of that removed. And then even when they took down the walls, we had to have that conversation. I mean, clearly we weren't in like licking the paint. Like, I guess that's the main issue, but but even processing that that was a thing in the fifties, right? Mm -hmm. We also, on the back of our house, we had no insulation between the walls because that just wasn't a thing then, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all these different, Curriculum components, if we put this even in perspective of kids right now that are going through school and thinking about how they can apply what they're learning, what college kids are doing, um, application of that skill that they're learning in math and science and social studies, the chemicals that go into making a prefab versus something that's built on site. Yes. They pl- sheer geographical differences of you being in Arizona versus where I am in North Carolina and, and putting all of that together, right? So the field of uh, so estimating has a lot of different components to it that have to go into play. Yes. So and then you also mentioned about the software. So tell me a bit about your thought process because in the build school part of one of your courses is talking about estimating. So tell us a little bit more what it is and what are those steps that you would, or skills that you're going to use as you embark on this, uh, on the journey of learning to be an
2: estimator? So estimating is... just to put it simply, it is to figure out what the cost of the project is going to be, whether it's a, a new build or it's a renovation or it's, you know, something small like you're going to build a garage. Estimating is figuring out how much that's going to cost you. So you're going to set up the budget for that. So, you know, but it starts out as a sketch on a napkin oftentimes, even in a commercial commercial industry it's a sketch that an architect sketches out and and they want to know okay so how much do you think this is going to cost and so you really have to start with your imagination right and you have to start to build that in your mind and go okay i know you want to build a seven story building in downtown phoenix on this site here's all the things that i'm going to need to do and i know that logistically it's going to be a challenge because i have a tight site or those type of things so you start to think about all of those type of you know things that are going to impact the project, and then you start to build that estimate. So as the designers are completing their drawings, and they're taking it through each level of their drawings, you're kind of estimating it at the same time, and you're also providing feedback and what we call like value engineering, because they're going to design something that's beautiful, and it's not always Going to match what the budget is, right? And it's just like in your home. I I have ideas for things I want to do at my house. Trust me, my budget does not support the things I want to do at my house. And so I have to think about okay, where are my priorities? Where do I want to spend my money? Where am I going to get the bigger return on my investment? So it's all those things you start to think about. And then when you're thinking about priorities, it's, you know, is a priority for me like sustainability? So for you, do you want to spend that couple thousand dollars to put insulation in your walls? Absolutely, because that's yes. going to make the house more energy efficient, right? And that's going to impact your your heating and cooling bills. So you start to think about all those things. So as you're estimating, you're providing that feedback to your, the architects and designers of here's what you can afford, here's where I think you can maximize your dollars and still achieve your design intent, and here's how we can, we can get there. And so it's a lot of just a lot of research, a lot of data, a lot of, you know, not hard math. It's basic math. I mean, it's, it's, you're not doing trigonometry or anything crazy like that. It's, it's basic math, but more financial side where you're looking at dollars and cents. So it's the exciting part is, you know, when a lot of kids come out of college who go to school to be in construction management and they all come out, and a lot of them are like, I want to go be a project manager on the site, and I want to build a building. I think it's exciting to come out and go into estimating, because I'm going to give you the instructions on how to build your building. I'm going to I'm going to put it all together. I'm putting, I'm helping select materials. I'm helping figure out how to make it more energy efficient. I'm looking at different mechanical systems and packaging it all up. And here you go. Now you go build it. So you really have, you get to use more creativity on the estimating side.
1: Yeah. I love that. I'm like, "Mm, I like all the little pieces that come together and you're like, and then here's the bow.
2: Yeah. You just put it in a bow and you're like, here you go. I have got your budget. You're ready to go build. And, um, Yeah, it's fun. It's very fun. I I love that. I love
1: the one thing that I think people would not know about that, what you just said, is that there are so many parts that go into it. I think you may hear the word estimating and immediately you're like, oh, that's just all math.
2: Yeah. But it's not. I'm just going to count doors and windows. Well, you do count doors and windows, but now... I don't have to sit, and, the software tells me how many windows I have. So, you know, back in the day, I had to sit and count them. But now software says you have 382 windows in this building. And I'm like, okay, now, which window do I want to put in that building? Which is, you know, do I get a very, you know, high energy one? Or is it, you know, do we use this kind of glass? So then you start to think about those type of things, which you can afford. So uh, it is, like you said, a lot of people get scared, because they think you're just gonna be sitting behind a desk, like, counting all day. And that's really bad. Not- And you're not. You're not, no. Yeah, you're probably moving or doing
1: lots of different things. Do, like, when you start a project, do people tend to give you the sketch on the napkin? Because that would be what I would do. Like, Erica, I want to do this. Yes. Um, Or do they come with a budget in mind and say, this is how much I have, what can we do? Or is there a
2: combination of both? It's a combination of both. Okay. Some people who have, you know, some people are able to put together kind of an idea and sketch it out. Mm-hmm. And so they'll come with that. And then a lot of people go, look, my budget for, you know, I want to renovate my kitchen and I've got $20,000. I don't know what that's going to do. I don't, so help me understand how to maximize the dollars. And that's when, as you put on your estimator hat, it turns into an investigator hat. You sit down and go, okay, what are your priorities? What do you want to, you know, what's most important to you? Do you want a big island? You know, how do you use the space? So you actually kind of do that detective work to see how are you going to use it? And then you take those dollars and you appropriate it to how to match their design intent so that they don't know what they need yet, right? So that's so kind of like it. a scavenger hunt, like where you're <laughs> trying
1: to figure out all how the pieces are how we're going to all put this together. To And then you're like so excited when you put the pieces together and it's what they want, but it's within... Yes attainability.
2: Right. They can attain it because yeah, you can, there's different ways you can value engineer things to, you know, spend your money wisely and and get what you want. So that's, that's really the important part of it. And so
1: individuals can learn many of these techniques through your courses that you're building on the build school. Correct. Yes. So there's modules that help walk through that say, Hey, I've got $20,000. What's that going to get me?
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you start to put a plan together and what are the questions you ask yourself or, you know, your partner or the people you're working with to help understand how to spend their money and and craft their budget for them?
1: So. So... that will walk us through, so I'm, I'm, I'm going through my mind, so you've got a course that people can go through, begin to understand how to walk through a project, they've got an idea, et cetera, and then you're going to have the course about estimating. When they're finished with that course on estimating, what would be their next step?
2: Um, they can continue getting education. There's lots of avenues you could take it to. If you wanted to go more on the professional um, commercial side, there's, there's, Courses you can take on that. Um, there's you know organizations you can join to be a part of that. So a really good one is like National Organization for Women in Construction. There's the ASPE, which is the Association of Professional Estimators. So there's things that you could start, if it's something that you're passionate about, there's a lot of avenues you can take. And it's a lot about if if that's something you want, if finding the right people in the industry, because it is a lot of on the job, right? So when you go to school for construction management, I think there's maybe one or two classes you actually take in estimating. And then the rest of it is really just, you're going in and you're learning it from mentors in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so if it's something you're interested in doing, you know, seek out those people and on LinkedIn and say, Hey, I'm really interested in what you do because we're all about, we want to bring more people into, into our industry. So And if there's you don't want to do commercial, there's also the residential side where you can then start to do it and help other people and manage the you know, consult for their home renovations and things like that. And it sounds like it could be flexible
1: because you can Mm -hmm. work from home or I mean, you could do or be in an office because if you've got software that's going to help you manage what you're working with, you
2: have a little more flexibility. Absolutely. So that was the one thing I liked, especially as a mom. Being in estimating, I was able to work from home or work remote if I needed to. It gave me the flexibility of, you know, being able to still have a life and being in the office every day. I knew exactly where I was going to go every day for work. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're on a project site, you could be in this part of the town for this project, and then when that ends, you could go to the entire opposite end for a new project. Right. I went to the same spot and. Now, I mean, as much as COVID has been terrible, right, for everyone, but what it did for construction is it really opened up people's eyes to go, oh, you can be remote, because I've always been a big proponent, like, we can do this, we don't need to be in the office, we have all this technology to do it remotely, and so this kind of proved the case to everybody, they're like, oh, estimators can be 100% remote and still do their job and still get it done, so... I think it's been, that's been a very positive note out of COVID for <laughs> Mike.
1: I know. I, I mean, there is usually some type of silver lining. I mean, yeah. it has been an awful, awful experience. That is, we know that. Right. Trying to find a little bit of silver lining a help is what helps us get through it. Mm-hmm. So do you see an uptick in opportunities in construction over these next couple of years because of technology? Is this something that we should be keeping our eye on in terms of, if we're seeking a new career or if we're continuing to up our tech skill level, that
2: this is an area that we could investigate? Absolutely, absolutely. Because of the labor shortage and the need for construction, you're, everything is going to be pushing to the tech side. So whether that's going into the building information modeling, that route, all of this is it's a huge push to start putting more of the work up front. So in mm-hmm. pre- design building information modeling um, prefabrication all that stuff so it is definitely going to be you're going to it's not going to slow down it's only going to continue to increase so if you could give three tips for our listeners if they're thinking
1: about besides go to the build school which you're going to say in a minute three tips to think about um, if they are interested in moving into the construction industry what are what are those
2: Um, definitely look at, you know, what avenue of construction you want to be in. Is it more on the tech side? Is it more on the boots on the ground side? And then from there, we look out and find the companies that interest you and reach out to them, see what kind of roles they have or if they have any positions or um, opportunities for you. There's also schooling you can do if you want to go back to school for it and get a degree. And then also reach out to the organizations that are out there that – you can network and meet mentors and things like that. So
1: tell everybody how they can find the Build School if they would like to take one of your
2: classes or courses. Excuse
1: me. It is, it is an online platform, correct?
2: it is so it's an online platform and there's weekly calls with me so it's not like you just buy the course and you never get to talk to me so we have weekly calls where we kind of brainstorm and you know troubleshoot if you have issues or problems or questions and then we have a facebook community as well that's tied to it so there's a lot of resources for you so you can find the build school at thebuildschool.com and you can also find me at erica_stork at on instagram it's the best way and on LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> yes. And uh, one piece that you mentioned, and I think that um, is important, is that in addition to my action item for today, is for everyone to go to buildschool.com and check out what Erica has to offer because her perspective and her ability to break it down so that you can understand is amazing. And it's a great step in the fir- step in the right direction if you're interested in leveraging your tech skills in the construction industry or if you're just wanting to know more about dabbling in your own home. I mean, let's all be a bit more educated instead of putting that giant hole in the wall and yeah. then be like, "Oh, oops, that didn't work out." You know, not that you can't do that, but it may help you in the long run the- Financially. So that's my action item. And to think about what she has mentioned in terms of using your skills, thinking about adaptability, problem solving, it comes up over and over and over again. Being able to problem solve your way through anything because we know that every, every, the only thing that's consistent is change. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so being able to problem solve and walk our way through a, any obstacle that comes our direction is really important. Any other pieces
2: of advice you want to share before we wrap up for today? Don't be afraid to, to do something that you thought wasn't available to you. Like, don't, don't limit yourself because of, you know, you think construction is just a bunch of, you know... It's just swinging a hammer or, you know, STEM or being in tech or a startup is, is not for you because it really is. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there. And I think, you know, personally, my biggest growth in my career is just having the belief in myself that, you know, I can do that and I can go be a part of that. Even though no one said, hey, this is a perfect job for you. I just wanted to do it and did it and went and did it. So I think that's my bit of advice. Don't limit yourself. I love it. And I would come one hundred
1: percent agree i taking the jump of my myself into running my own businesses was super scary. I really thought I would be in a classroom the rest of you know teaching as in a k twelve in a building environment, and my journey was not that, and I'm still on my scenic journey figuring pieces out, but I found my bigger calling in helping other educators understand and and other individuals understand the power of tech and how it can be a really great way to not just be a way to create with and a way to empower and a way to make your job even more exciting and not something to be so scared about. Right. So action item for today, everyone go to the buildschool.com. Check out my amazing friend, Erica at Erica underscore Stork S T O R C K and um, you can find more information also um, on our site uh, for Coding the Future and on the Voice America Network. And you can find out more about my work that I do with women and girls in tech and helping educators see the passion of computer science in their classroom at the dot consulting.co or at DottieRoseFoundation.org. Thank you, Erica. You're amazing. I want everybody to check out what you have and let us know. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then.